ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. If you needed heart surgery, would you listen to a social media influencer about which surgeon to go to? Hmm. Well, what about for skincare? Skinfluencers are a thing, apparently, especially on platforms like TikTok or Instagram, and they can have a great deal of pull, especially with young people. In fact, some preteens have been so caught up in the hype that they're using products with strong anti-aging ingredients like retinol. Deshaun Sebaratnam knows all about countering this kind of misinformation. He is a paediatric dermatologist at Liverpool Hospital and associate professor at the University of New South Wales Faculty of Medicine. And he spends a lot of time gently steering people in the right direction and saving them quite a lot of money at the same time. Deshaun, welcome to Life Matters. Thanks so much for having me, Hilary. Now, when a patient comes to see you about their skin, how often are you finding yourself these days dispelling myths that they might have found online? Yeah, quite often. Um, And I think it depends on the skin condition as well. So there are things which are common, uh, diseases like eczema and acne. Uh, These are often diseases that affect young patients as well. I think in general, patients are much more savvy and do a little bit of research before attending doctor's appointments. Um, But particularly with some of those diseases affecting younger people, often you have to spend a little bit of time uh, in the consultation doing a bit of myth busting before actually discussing the actual recommended treatments. Tell us a bit about the eczema one, because that's something a lot of families have to deal with and a lot of people. What kinds of weird information is coming to you about that? Yes, eczema is really common in Australia. About one in three Aussie kids will have eczema. Um, And I think it's because it's one of these diseases where there's no cure and the aim of treatment is control. uh, And, you know, patients often searching for a a, a fix. So, you know, if I just avoid carrots or if I just put on this moisturizer or something, that'll be the end of my eczema. Um, so uh, I guess in terms of common myths, um, patients often or parents often feel that, you know, it's something that they've done wrong, uh, which is very rarely the case. Uh, you know, more often than not, it's a little bit of uh, genetic factors and a little bit of environmental factors, uh, things like which moisturizer to use. And I think that uh, ties into what you were saying before, you know, rather than using the ones that say a dermatologist might recommend, they might be uh, getting their uh, skincare or, you know, their, their skin dermatological advice from, you know, whoever won The Bachelor or Love Island. Um, <laughs> uh, and then there's myths around food and eczema. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a common one where there's a lot of misinformation out there. Well, and you can see why people might be attracted to the idea of like, I'm going to put something natural on my skin. I'm going to put an avocado oil on instead of something from a plastic tub. What are your, what's your response to that idea? Yes, actually, the plain, boring, cheap stuff is usually the best. So ideally for eczema, what you want is something without fragrances or perfumes or food products, because our current understanding is actually if you put food products on inflamed skin, that's one of the pathways in which you could develop food allergies. So if, for example, I don't know, you put peanut oil on someone who has, you know, a child with uh, very bad eczema, then the peanut proteins are going to be introduced to your body's immune system by the skin instead of the gut and that can predispose you to food allergies to peanut later on. Wow. Okay. Yep. So giving your child a peanut allergy by accident when you're trying to cool the, uh, uh, cure their eczema, that's really disturbing. Um, yeah. And it's also, you know, intuitively, like you're saying, you think food products, these are natural, um, but actually the plain greasy stuff, which is as bland as possible without those food products or fragrances, they're the best. 
We're getting texts coming in, Deshaun. Having had eczema for over 60 years, one might call me an expert on the subject, says one person, and I can tell you that people with condition will try anything to get rid, uh, to get relief or even find a cure. Hence, they're easy fodder for the shysters of this world. And another says, be wary of anyone with something to sell who tells you you can't or shouldn't do something that's cheap or free. That's going to shock a lot of people, Deshaun, the idea that you just said that plain, boring and cheap is best. Do you, do you not kind of look for particular ingredients or do you just go, okay, I'm, I'm going to get the basic moisturiser? I mean, in, in terms of ingredients that I look for as a dermatologist, there are certain things that, you know, I'm drawn to, but they're also the ones that are actually very cheap and easy and you can get from Woolworths rather than, you know, David Jones or Chanel or anything like that. So, I mean, from my perspective, the plain cheap stuff is the best stuff. Um, for With a lot of those more expensive products, you're sort of paying for the bottle or the fragrance or the brand name, but it's not necessarily going to be any better at doing the job you want, which is locking in the moisture in your skin. So let's uh, talk about the other big thing that a, a lot of people uh, have to deal with and, and want answers about, which is acne. You and some colleagues looked at the type of information available online for a particular acne medication. What did you find people were saying about it? We looked at uh, information on the platform TikTok in regards to acne and certain medications that can be used to treat acne. And one of the things that was interesting is if you sort of search by hashtag, there is a fair bit of content out there, but most of it is not from medical specialists. Um, so with we have excellent medications in you know 2024 that can help with acne. And I think one of the most common sort of um, stories that was on TikTok was people's before and afters. Uh, and that can be very powerful because I think intuitively, uh, you know, you can have a doctor saying, we've tested this in, you know, 20,000 people, this proportion developed this amount of, uh, this degree of improvement, uh, which is sort of dry and bland. I think as humans, we're drawn to a before and after story. So seeing someone with very bad acne and then afterwards their skin's improved, they might be the exception rather than the rule. But I think uh, that's a lot more stirring and a lot more influential uh, in terms of perhaps um, steering someone towards one medication or another. So that was one of the common things we saw, lots of before and afters. Um, but I guess the other question is, is that medication necessarily right for you? Um, and actually, that's one of the other things we sort of noted. In terms of medical specialists on these platforms, uh, there's not a big presence. Um, so we know that people are getting their medical information from social media uh, rather than, you know, government platforms or other more traditional platforms, which is where perhaps doctors are more likely to provide information. Um, and I guess it's something that maybe as medical specialists, we need to be taking, uh, you know, we, the things that you can change then you can't change people are getting their information from social media then we should be using it to advocate for help on those platforms because you found that people were trash talking a, a very effective acne medication didn't you well i mean that's the thing so with any medication uh there are going to be effects and there are going to be side effects and i guess that's the thing about you know, uh, Western medicine, if you will, uh, these medicines before they come onto the market, they're tested on hundreds or sometimes thousands of people. And we know likelihoods and we know what, uh, you know, the, the rare, weird and wonderful side effects as well as common side effects. So the other thing with certain medications is the way we use them has changed a lot. Um, so in the last 40 years, 40 years, for example, the way that we might have given a drug to your dad is very different to the way we're going to give the drug to you. Um, and so I think that's one of the other things where it's really important to chat to your 
doctor and get that advice in terms of in 2024, how are we going to be managing your skin condition? Let's talk about that because in 2024, there's a lot of people very keen on anti-aging practices and products and some of those are very young people and there's a lot of those products around. We're hearing reports about young people becoming attracted to products containing retinol, which is quite a fierce ingredient. Is that a problem? So there's lots of different types of vitamin A or retinol, retinaldehyde, uh, retinoid, Uh, ingredients. And we do use them in children for certain indications. I guess from an anti-aging perspective, there's not a lot of evidence and it's unlikely to be of that much benefit, uh, you know, before you're in your 20s or mid-20s. So So is it a problem if young kids are using this or just unnecessary? Yeah, I think unnecessary more than anything else. So with that family of medications, for example, um, there is Uh, you know, potential expected side effects. Uh, So they can be a little bit irritating when you first start. You can get a little bit of redness, itchiness, flakiness. Um, And I think why put kids through, uh, you know, all those side effects if it's not going to be for any necessary good? They can also make you really sensitive to sunlight, can't they? That's exactly right. So, I mean, we want kids to be kids, uh, playing outside, doing all the things that kids are meant to be doing, not, you know, living like vampires because they're worried about wrinkles when they're 50. Nope, nope. We don't really want anyone living like vampires because they're worried about wrinkles when they're 50, but certainly not an eight-year-old. So what what should a young person do, someone who's in their tweens or teens? What kinds of products or strategies should they be using on their skin? So you don't really need very much of a a, a skincare routine if you're a kid. I mean, if you think about humans over the last, you know, thousands and thousands of years, we didn't have skincare regimes up until the last century or so. I think a lot of that is just pushed by, you know, marketing practices. Um, For kids, sunscreen is really important. So from six months and up, uh, if they're going to be spending time outside and the UV index is more than three, Uh, Using a broad spectrum SPF 50 plus sunscreen is a good idea, as well as sun protective measures uh, like wearing long sleeve clothes, hats, avoiding sun in the uh, peak of the day. Uh, And then something like a gentle soap-free cleanser to help get rid of the sunscreen uh, and a soap-free wash in the shower. But that's really all kids need, Uh, you know, sunscreen and something to get the sunscreen and the crime off at the end of the day. Yeah, that daily ritual, sunscreen on, sunscreen off. We're speaking with Deshaun Sevaratnam, who's a paediatric dermatologist at Liverpool Hospital and an associate professor at the University of New South Wales Faculty of Medicine about some of the misinformation that your kids might be picking up online about what needs to happen to their skin and what should happen to their skin. What about teenagers who might have acne, Deshaun? Is is water and, and face wash going to cut it for them? So once you're at the stage where you're getting acne and it's affecting your quality of life, then you probably need to be thinking about other things to add to the regime. Um, So there are lots of over-the-counter products which are quite effective and helpful for acne when it's mild. Um, So ingredients like benzoyl peroxide, um, salicylic acid, niacinamide, all of these things are readily available from any pharmacy and a lot of... um, um, supermarkets uh, and all of these things should cost you know twenty dollars or less you don't need to be spending exorbitant amounts of money um, and they're simple things that you can just get over the counter to help with your acne and then if you're still not winning uh, you should see your general practitioner or specialist dermatologist in terms of other medical options which can help 
Lots of people texting in saying, you know, I make my own moisturiser with lovely natural sounding products, shea butter, almond oil, geranium, rose oil, very cheap, no nasties. And uh, yeah, various people texting in their recipes. But I guess, you know, if you are concerned about ageing and you are older, is there a benefit to using things like retinol or vitamin B or the, the various serums that are on offer, Deshaun? I mean, if we follow your guidelines of using the cheapest is best, what would you recommend? So in terms of evidence-based ingredients that you can get over the counter, uh, as you mentioned, Hillary, things in the vitamin A family certainly have evidence. They vary in strengths from, um, you know, fairly gentle products to then prescription strength medications, uh, niacinamide or vitamin B3. Uh, that's available in lots of different formulations, uh, vitamin C, and then things which have acid sort of at the end of their name. So lactic acid, mandelic acid, salicylic acid, all of these products offer a little bit of benefit in terms of improving the visible signs of aging. And uh, all of these things should be available for less than $20. If you're spending more than that, you're wasting your money. And just, just finally, Deshaun, this is music to our ears, by the way. Uh, you've argued that medical dermatologists might need to be more active on platforms like Instagram and TikTok. Why do you think that will help the, this misinformation that's circulating? Um, so like I said, we are never going to change the fact that, you know, society has changed. People are getting their information from social media platforms. And so I think as doctors, we need to be responsive to that. So recognizing that perhaps people are more likely to use social media than traditional platforms like government websites. If we're producing this information or content for the government websites, why not do the same thing on social media platforms? Um, I think it's a simple way of uh, reaching a broader audience. Um, and uh, it's, an, you know, I think so a recent example of that, for example, was the government uh, used influencers to discuss some of the harms of tanning. Um, I think medical professionals should play more of a role in terms of advocating for the better health of our patients. Well, I look forward to your very stripped back get ready with me videos, Deshaun. Thanks so much for <laughs> joining us on Life Matters today. Thanks for having me, Hilary. Deshaun Savaratnam. He's a paediatric dermatologist at Liverpool Hospital and associate professor at the University of New South Wales Faculty of Medicine. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.